Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women. I thought I want to learn a new language. You know what? I I do have a because uh, I'm a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of of a French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great because I took Spanish for 12 years and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German and I know hast du Zweister now abra. No, hast du Bruder now. Nein, abra cabra Zweister. That means, have, do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly in the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. Do you live uh, okay. Russia has a great national anthem. And that's the only good thing over there. Uh, oh. And NATO got a little aggressive. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was at the Russian improv once and it there was a there was a tough I was co headlining. Oh yeah, yeah. Yakov Smirnov. Yeah, yeah, you had a uh Spade Stroganoff special. You know, um, I will say anyway, this. when Who are we talking about? When I, and I know that Russia's been in the news lately, and I won't say why, but the without getting into <clears throat> Come politics. Come on, give us a hint. 
When I did SNL, my first update bit was um, Yakov Smirnov. Remember it that? just sounds like some illicit sexual activity. What 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 happened later in the shower? Uh, Yakov Smirnov. I, mean, it <laughs> I doesn't got sound. yanked off. And so Yakov Smirnov was like, in Russia, everything's crazy. You know, remember that? He was a Russian comedian from the 1980s. Yeah, I And guess. everything was, I do not understand faucet. Yeah, he goes, what you comes out of faucet? Water come in Russia, bullets. <laughs> like, does it though? But no in one can really Russia, fact check it. In Russia, we take bath every once a year. <laughs> America shower all the time. What's up with that? Now it's give so... me a fucking dollar. I'm a comedian. <laughs> it's so true. By the way, Dana, my rubles are really shitting. I have so many rubles I invested in. It's so dumb. You the... bought rubles? Oh, yeah. I thought they were going to be the next big thing. Don't play the market. Come on, man. So Yakov. Yeah, that's a crypto choice. So Yakov Smirnov was a Russian comedian, and that reminds me of Judd Apatow. No, I have to tell you, I did <laughs> SNL, and my first thing was like big beard, and I was on with Dennis Miller on Update, oh. and I was like this in Russia, and I, and then me and Dennis were going back and forth. I was doing stupid jokes, and he's like, "Hey, hey, it's not really, it's not like that anymore," you know. And I'm like, but in Russia, like it's all my hook of my whole life, and it's and did going you have away. a funny name as like a Russian comedian? No, I think I was Yakov Smirnov. Oh, you were you were doing Yakov Smirnov? Okay, got it now. And people understood because I did open and go, "I'm Yakov Smirnov." <laughs> yeah, you say it. I am Yakov Smirnov. Yeah. It depends how far you want to go with Russian accent. I I don't really do uh, I accents don't either, or anything, but... and so I just did the most stock version. And then I get off, and it does okay. And then they go into the meeting after dress and to see what's on the air show. So it's at 11 at night, you're finding out if you're on. And fucking Dennis is the first one out and he goes, hey Spudley, you can take off the beard. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there in my whole Yakov outfit, waiting to see if I got it. I'm like this. Because well, it's your whole life and you walk into the room yeah. at like 1045 and you see which cards were part of the outline of the practice show. Yeah, that's And then dress. the ones who've been placed off the main area. <laughs> so if you see Yakov Smirnov over to the right, then then you sulk, right? The cast sulk. member who's cut just It would have been nicer if Dennis just ran out and started stabbing me. That's exactly the pain. Because I would look in and I'd go, okay, Church Lake cold opening, Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah, okay, you fucking massive asshole. Wound, Everything Harry. was in. Well, I'm just telling you let me finish <laughs> i was scraping my update piece it wasn't even over to the side it was like way over here frank and put away over here now all right judd apatow is on the judd show apatow and judd is an old stand-up buddy from the valley before snl i knew him. yes from uh, born and raised in northridge i believe i just made that up yeah but he's from the valley but so we used, tell you a lot we used to hang out a little bit do stand-up out there oh he has an interesting voice. I've never tried to do it, but for for this intro, I'm going to try Judd Apatow, ladies and gentlemen. Go. <clears throat> Here we go, Judd Apatow. Hey, that's Kermit the Frog. I know. No, that's Fozzie that, Bear. Look, this is inside baseball for an impressionist. I normally, when I start, I suck, mm -hmm. and then give me time, mm -hmm. and I will master Apatow. Yeah, but that was an Apatowizer. That's oh. mine. Hey, I'd have to see his special right before I came in here. Anyway, Judd Apatow, Judd Apatow is a brilliant uh, <laughs> director. He's directed a lot of great movies, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. I don't want to judge Apatow. All right, here he is, Judd Apatow. Judd's got the most to go over. Not the most in SNL. That's a little wispy, but... We're, we, Judd's got so much and so much in comedy that it's 
but it's perfect. I, it's right can up Can we go alley. back to... Go back. We just started. And, the lead, <laughs> and lead into this because... Uh, confidence. Okay. This is why I think of you. I think of, here how I think of dysfunctional comedians. Yes. Wounded, upset, dramatic, dysfunctional, make the wrong decisions, or as Leonard would say, never stop. They do stop. <laughs> they whine. They're, you know, when I think of someone like you or Sandler, it's just full speed ahead. I mean, did you, in those early days, I mean, how did you, like, we, remember when I hosted the 15th annual Comedians show? Yes, and that's I told right. You, oh. I told you. The Young Comedians well, I said special. one word, Judd, direct. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say <laughs> You might not have heard him. It was a catering. I, well, that was a big deal because that was the show we all wanted to get on. To me, that was like getting on The Tonight Show, the HBO Young huge. Comedian special. Yeah. Everyone yeah. broke off of that. You were on it. Yeah. I went to the taping and mm-hmm. saw you and Schneider oh, do wow. it. And- Dennis Miller hosted it. He hosted it. And yeah. in the crowd was David Bowie. Yeah. And I love that it. seemed like the Perfect. most pressurized situation <laughs> yeah. to do a set with David Bowie in the corner looking like <laughs> yeah. Starman. It was a really exciting night in Santa Monica at this little theater that mm-hmm. is now a bookstore. And Drake Sather had an incredible mm-hmm. set that night. He was night. on your set? He was or on my yours. Set? Yeah, yeah, mine. Uh, and Drake was great. Yeah. And then I auditioned for it in New York at Stand Up. New York. Mm-hmm. John Stewart was also auditioning for it. I brought all my friends from high school. John Stewart murdered so hard, gets the show. I go on after him. You couldn't bomb worse no. in front of all, all of my friends. friends. That's the worst. And it, you stack the crowd of it. <laughs> I stacked the crowd. And even my friends were like, I don't know where to laugh. Here. <laughs> well, how did you feel? Well, how did you deal with afterwards and the faces that go, that was good. Good. Where they changed the review mid-word? There was nothing. There was no way for even them to fake that that went How well. long did that affect you? Like a week or? I could wake up in the middle of the night right now and be like, oh. Well, because that was a fucking big deal. Uh, That was, there was nothing really going on and it was HBO and The Tonight Show. And Mm -hmm. I tried to get on The Young Comedians every year Mm -hmm. and I kept barely missing it. And I was a young comedian and they go, oh, we gave it to Richard Belzer this year. I'm like, well, isn't he 80? (laughs) Well, didn't we have, we had Janine Garofalo on the 15th annual. Oh, that was yours. Yeah, what was your line Ray Romano. He was the one who stole it. And even when we were shooting these like interstitial interviews, uh, I don't even know if they use much of it. We all went oh my God, Ray Romano's going to be a star. Like he Just, found himself yeah. in that moment. Uh, Introduce me as Regis. I don't yeah. do, I don't do, I don't do an impression, <laughs> but enough. he really wanted me to, anyway. Wait, if that's so many, that this, I know we're, we're going to talk about no, so many things. I love the young comedians because the lineups are interesting and the interstitials were interesting because yeah. they go, HBO said, just talk to the camera for a minute about whatever. And that was, looking back, it really showed you had no direction on ours. Yeah. Yeah, me too. There so what a, did, do you remember what you I, even I did? I don't remember. I just remember watching <laughs> Ray do his, and he was eating an apple while talking and just was already a master. And I think I, I just thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is another level of, how you do it, yeah. of it. And I thought I had a pretty mediocre set and I made a very big mistake in doing mm. the set, which is I had never been on... HBO, I'd only been on like Comic Strip Live and Evening mm-hmm. at the Improv mm-hmm. where you're never allowed to curse. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to curse. Right. Why? Well, yeah. Show them because because it's HBO. Cable. And yeah. then if you watch my act, I think I just added fuck everywhere just oh. to be edgy. And mm. none of them were punchlines. And the worst. <laughs> and then when they would or air it needed. on Comedy Central and reruns, they have to bleep all the curses. So it, it's just a very. I weak always set. tell young comedians, save the fucks. Don't just yes. go, yeah. I went to the fucking store. <laughs> or back it has to be a punchline. And if you're Jerry Seinfeld, you'll, yeah. you'll fight the 
yeah. line for a year to get yes. the fuck out. It's yeah. hard to follow a dirty comic also. Mm -hmm. And now John Stewart, last question. Do you look at the lineup and are you worried about following John Stewart or he kind of blindsided you? Total blindside. I don't think I knew his act that mm -hmm. much back then because that was 1992. Yeah. So yeah. I, I wasn't on the East Coast much, so I didn't yeah. know what what was happening. And I don't remember who else was was on that night. But then I got it the next the next year. And Andy Kindler was on that and Gene yeah. Garofalo mm -hmm. and uh, Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy, and, yeah. And that was, was like the week we started doing the Ben Stiller show. So I had to go to Arizona and that. shoot it and then come back and we started you know, shooting so the Ben I Stiller ask, show. How did you know Ben at that point? I met Ben online at Elvis Costello Unplugged. Okay. For you in kids. 92. Online. Uh, means 91. 91. In line. At a, at online or in line? That's a, you were a physically whole in line. Seinfeld so. bit. Uh, yeah. I, I was in line, online, and then uh, Dana Gould was there, and he, he had my name before, and yeah. he introduced me to Ben, and then we were chatting, and he very quickly mentioned that HBO wanted him to do a sketch show. And I was like, oh, we should get together and kick that around. And we right. did like a day or two later and then sold it like a week later. And everyone thought we knew each other for years. And we literally <laughs> had just met the week before. And much, then HBO sold it to Fox. To what were your that? credentials at that point that he would say, okay, you're good enough to do this? I, You know, I had just like, they were like stealth credentials that seemed better than they were. <laughs> so I would help people write their acts and then they would throw me a co-producer credit. So I did that for Jim Carrey, Carrey and yeah. Roseanne and I did mm. a special, which was a funny special with uh, Dennis Miller. It was the pregame <laughs> show <laughs> for <laughs> Paul <laughs> Simon live in Central Park. All these funny shows. Right? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and so he did a half hour where they showed clips of Paul Simon before and the you live wrote some of his stuff. And so I wrote, you know, the pregame show with him. How when you write with Dennis, basically you're transcribing because he's so right. funny and you're just organizing. Crisis, epitope, cat, got some lines <laughs> for me here, okay? But my favorite joke I wrote for him was, uh, we're about to start the show where Paul Simon, <laughs> along with his, tw with 27, along with, he goes, coming up next is Paul <laughs> Simon and the 27 musicians it took to replace art. That's a great line. I mean, that's very Dennis-y. <laughs> Coming up next, the 27, Paul Simon and the 27 musicians it took to replace art, okay? <laughs> but I, uh, he so used to do that too. Same with Gary. This guy whispered to his friend, he means Garfunkel. <laughs> See, it's the jaw. Everything. Carson's the jaw. Yeah, that's the jaw. 99% yeah. of impressions are jaw-based. Yeah. Jaw-based. Well, Dennis, uh, <laughs> so I did that with Dennis, and so that made it appear. So I had a bunch of those credits. I did like three Tom Arnold's mm -hmm. specials that were like kind of like reality comedy. One. And it gave the appearance that I was a producer, but really I wasn't producing So would you, were you actively in a very healthy way – unafraid, had an inner confidence and sort of self-promoting in a normal way, like I, like a sense, I can do this. Or you're like, Ben, so was, did you ever have, in, where were your insecurities? <laughs> oh, I was like, terrified. I, you just fought through them, huh? I just, well, it, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it's interesting to Not talk about us. it with David. <laughs> this, this podcast yeah. is yeah. huge, yeah. believe me. No one's heard, <laughs> it before. heard it before. This is global. But, you know, David lived down the street. When Yay. I lived with Sandler, mm. Rob Schneider lived across Bob, the street. Oh. Drake say they live close by. Drake say they live close by. I was mm -hmm. writing jokes for Jim Carrey, who lived over the hill, oh, so and community. that was right as In Color was starting. 
And I Jim definitely, Carrey was like Apple stock. You got in way early on that one. Exactly. That was like the Tesla <laughs> stock yeah. I thought I shouldn't buy because he was stoned this on Joe Rogan. This is iPod Carrey. Yeah. You know, just like, they don't got nothing. And uh, I, I definitely had that sneaking suspicion. Oh, I'm not as good at this. <laughs> you're, so well, your like career all of is these based guys. on seeing guys that are better than you and then just surpassing them, basically. <laughs> well, I just thought this isn't my move in the way that it's their move. I mean, when I remember, David, when you came to town with your leather jacket, fresh from a <laughs> doing surfer, a, Arizona surfer. <laughs> you you were just ocean. like with Sharon Stone in the Police hey, Academy baby, movie. What's yeah. up, and it was buddy? like, there's a new guy in town. And I wasn't even in at the improv. I would go to the <laughs> Valley Improv and wait to see if someone didn't show up. And then I would do that spot. Oh, cover. Oh, yeah. And the manager, Joe Drew, was always cool. And you, I literally remember the day that you came to town and it was like, like, oh, Jesus Christ. You you could feel like, oh, this guy's going to do great. And he oh, looks really? great. He's a new kid in town. He's got an attitude. And then, Sh <laughs> and then Schneider came from, Schneider from San, San Francisco. Fran, yeah. and what? He's, Come on. He's doing that gym teacher bit. Yeah. Hey, set your clocks back. Yeah, he's doing that bit. And and then Sandler was doing Elvis Bye -bye. in the refrigerator. And, <laughs> and, and everyone seems to be it's reinventing it. ridiculous. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, because you're like, this kind of isn't what we saw. When I used to look at that improv, uh, chalkboard it used to be, yeah. it would say like, this is dating me, but it would be like Leno, Paul Reiser, <laughs> Jeff Altman. Ellen, may maybe Seinfeld. Ellen. Yeah, Seinfeld. And also, you're like, mm -hmm. it was such a like first ballot hall of famers. You go, Jesus. Yeah. And you, but you didn't really realize it then. Just everyone was good, you know? Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. but they all mm -hmm. kind of were around the same age, same look. So that, I got in 60% because I looked you know, 17 and I had, I had blonde. You always had kind of confidence or you were faking it. Faking, yeah, you were, still. You were like 21 and I was like, this yeah. guy seems yeah. like he's got it all together. I was completely out, wrong. But so. then he passed out a Jack in the Box from hypoglycemia. <laughs> Do you remember when I- <laughs> Did you ever in high school say Jack off in the box? And that was the big joke for the guys in the Volkswagen <laughs> And then you around. go, I could go national with yeah. this joke. Jack off in the box. Jack off in the box. Hey, wait a minute. It's called Jack in the box. Hey, that's a sexual. Ah! No, Judd, what about? Uh, Come on, Judd, what about? When we, were you there when I passed out at, at Taco Bell? Well, I was, or I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. But it was this thing where like. No one saw it. Suddenly but... David has this thing where if he doesn't <laughs> eat, he's yeah. going to, he's going to go unconscious in public yeah. spaces. And then it happened in Saturday Night Live, <laughs> yeah. right? Where they had to like wheel you out on a stretcher. Oh, Saturday Night Live. That was pretty much every other week. At, Jesus. You know, I'm floor. like stress gone. Yeah. Stretcher we were, gone we were meeting to play yeah. tennis. I think Adam. I think everyone's supposed to play tennis and then I stop by Del Taco what everyone does before they do activities <laughs> I think Del it was Taco. a combo of, I was waiting in line I hadn't eaten and I started to feel and and maybe there was a dog tooth in my burrito yeah. something about it was like this isn't working and then yeah. I go I think I just laid down on the floor and talk about oh. no friends nothing no one helping me and I'm like oh Sandler's not even famous not yet that's not gonna help me and uh, you, you knew he was gonna be famous now I know he would have sent a chopper <laughs> Well, you, you were be, delicate. That's when we we found out you were delicate. You'd, you'd hang out it's, with you, and you'd, your eyes would get real big, and you go, uh, <laughs> "I gotta go, I gotta go." Or just just got well, here. Let's what? go back okay. to Judd for one second. I like exploring uh, hypoglycemia yeah. in an adult man. That's, that's page one. But anyway, so that was you know the environment as a fan of comedy, always a giant fan of it. Mm -hmm. I was smart enough to you know to meet someone like norm mcdonald and go like again oh, another this hit. is another yeah. level of this but i could sit 
I used to write jokes for Roseanne with Norm. Like we both got hired to write her act together and John Regi and me and Norm. I remember going to Roseanne's house and we would sit there with legal pads with Roseanne and, you know, yeah. and she, and you she, know would, she would say like, I want to do a bit about how it's, it's better to suck cock than to kiss ass. Cause at least when you suck cock, it's like a, it's a deal. I'll suck your cock and then you'll give me something. When you kiss ass, you're doing it with the hope that you'll get something. And she would like, she'd tell us some like theory she had and we would like write it down and try to Makes turn it into it. a And so routine. Norm was demure in a way and like just trying to please It's Roseanne. fun to see Norm yeah. in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you got to suck cock. good feedback, that, Norm. Yeah. Going, yeah, there's something there. <laughs> you can <laughs> kiss ass, but we'll eventually you got to suck cock. How yeah. about that, Joe? You were smart because you were like, noticing early on if you didn't think which you did make it as a comedian but early on you go you were like it was bitcoin producer credits they well, were like yeah. worth so much you didn't know it and then later they just start paying off and reruns and well a, you guys never wanted to help other people that's what it was. That we everyone were really wanted to be a, Everyone wanted to be a star. <laughs> I it just hit him was, like, wait. It was Planet Dana from day <laughs> one. <laughs> day one. Sharp elbows. Motherfuckers, follow that. Yeah, uh, but you're never going to write like jokes for other people for money. I had no money and I was really afraid of being broke. So I thought, no one seems to want to help anyone. And if people were like, oh yeah, they'll give you 50 bucks a joke or a couple hundred bucks to sit yeah. with them for a few hours. So well, I did that with George Wallace and- and Taylor God, Negron. Everybody. Great. You know, with that, you're so right. Going back to d dysfunctional comedians. And if they meet a guy like you, who's smart and funny, obviously, so and disciplined, and is going to kind of tease out the best of them. So David actually wrote jokes for me for a short period of time. Remember the grumpy old man joke he uh, wrote? Oh, no. Go ahead. Go do it. It was something like, in my day, we didn't have latex condoms. Let's see. Uh, we would take a bear skin and wrap it around our privates and tie it off with a bungee cord. <laughs> and we used the same one over and over again <laughs> that's the way it was we liked it but for a very brief time before no i think it was because snl i was i talked to sam this morning because you were coming on and uh i was saying Hello? do you remember the sketch i wrote for julia sweeney because we had talked to her and we started talking and i, I wrote the sketch for her and she was surprised because i wasn't in it mm -hmm. and he goes yeah well you're a fucking writer <laughs> and i go oh that's right because we are so selfish that at the end of the day my job was to write so was sandler yeah. so yeah. you're not supposed to really write for yourself there and uh so i wrote uh for someone else and then i guess because dennis would ask me for update jokes you mm, if i wrote times. for grumpy old man i thought that was such a funny hook if i could throw some shit in yeah. fine you know you've got great guys all around you like if i had a but rewrite it table it is magic for a comedian who's written all their own stuff and knows how hard it is and you have yeah. your few hits you repeat them over and over yeah. again and then someone like bonnie and terry turner or david or robert smigel hands you something and i'm like because i had written a sketch and i left it when early on in snl i left it and robert said can i take a look at it i'm like okay who's this guy right <laughs> what like, is a gift? i thought i'd already got it and Fuck. i came in it was like gold i'm like oh my god it's so much better the fuck right so it's really makes sense how comedians would gravitate toward you. Well, Sandler, you know, was really smart. And that's what he did. Yeah. Because I, I, re I remember, first of all, I remember when he went to audition for the show. He flies to <gasps> Chicago. At the time, his mm -hmm. act is all just like mumbling. So, <laughs> and the Will Chamberlain bit. <laughs> and, and, and he was hilarious, but still hit yep. and miss in the clubs. Mm -hmm. Like, we loved it. We would sit in the back mm -hmm. and just sure. love it. And wow. But... I, I remember going to gigs with him where it did not go well. It was not a consistent it, situation. We yeah. all knew he would make it big. The last time it did not go well for Sandler. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember going with him to San Diego to the uh, San Diego Improv and telling Dave one. Becky, who ran it at the yeah. time, oh, you got to mm -hmm. let Sandler headline like on a Monday. Yeah. And Sandler bombed so bad for an hour <laughs> and put it. his back against the wall and just ran it. Just oh, flat, just said the just jokes. Yeah. Annoyed. And so when he left to do the audition, I thought, I mean, what does Adam do? I mean, he doesn't do <laughs> characters. I mean, what is he going to bring to the show? So and then on, he yeah. gets it. And suddenly, like, he's gone. And I'm in this shitty apartment living under a stripper in the valley. And he doesn't bring his clothes, his ID. I literally have his ID and his driver's license from How when he, he left. Fly, I have no back idea. Then, back okay, then, you couldn't do it. Like, yeah. he took nothing with him. I, I literally have a box of you his clothes. You could bring dynamite on the plane back then. You could do anything yeah. back then. And so. so One time. <laughs> I, I forgot what this was. It was leading into, okay, so Sandler oh, so gets there and he's trying to get on, on the show. And his strategy was to write for you. So mm -hmm. he would he would write oh, you an amazing sketch guy, yeah. with someone, usually someone huh, like Smigel. I wonder what it was. And yeah. like in his head, so he'd write like whatever. Uh, I think he was part of maybe the Pepper sketch. Oh, Pepper Boy. Pepper yeah, Boy. Was Steve Corrin and Smigel probably got on that yeah. too. Yeah. And the other one was the one where you're the host who keeps making out with the people walking in the restaurant. That, oh, no, okay. Okay. The that yeah. was Yeah, that was when I was still on SNL. The other one was hosting. Yeah. But Sandler, Schneider went in that. Who can't was a fucking hit? Was that Christy Alley was the host? Or was it, uh, the other one was like, uh, you lack of the juice? Oh, the yeah, fucking that was juice. A, that was Smigel a Smigel and Sandler. Yeah. But yeah, El Cantore was the one where I had Victoria's arm, legs, legs up. up in the air. <laughs> yeah. And Smigel the kind of fake, tried to say, don't do that. And yeah. I'm like, that was one of the biggest, I mean, that I was just writing yeah. a physical, physical gag. But yeah. And Sandler would give himself like one joke in it, but a mm -hmm. good joke. Yeah. And that's how he tried to get himself exposed, which is to yeah. let other people like you murder, but give himself a key thing where I think he came out in his underwear at the right. end of the yeah. sketch. Yeah, he was rip fit, man. Yeah. He was like, yeah, like he a came boxer. Out as, as uh, don't you forget about the macho man. Yeah, there's <laughs> a little, <laughs> And a he came on as that Rocky Pete. But I always found him, him funny that. and charming. And, yeah. and he did have a few a few months of connecting with the audience. Opera yeah. Man, it was so abstract. He had a star and he thing. would do that. I'm mm -hmm. And I just yeah. loved it, the silliness of it. But when he hooked, they went with him. Boom. Yeah. I don't guitar. think Franken loved it at first. Well, let's get back to you. So you. I remember him telling me about Franken not liking it. He would like tell me that, because I would always be like, how's it going? Because I was, you know, this was my dream to get in. Right. SNL. Okay. That's what so, I was going to ask. So yeah. when Sandler got in there, like, oh my God, someone got in. Mm -hmm. And they're going to pull me in at yeah. some point. And we would all be on the phone with Adam trying to. Think of uh, ideas for him and Schneider. Hey. I don't remember you calling asking for anything, but I remember talking to Schneider. <laughs> I, was, huh. I was crying in my office, passed <laughs> I, out. Sensitive naked yeah. man was one of those. And, oh, and yeah, that was Schneider. He was trying to figure out, you know, how do you how do you get on the show? How do I get my personality through? And I remember he said that one day he knocked on <laughs> Lauren's door, and Franken's in there. He says he's in his underwear. He put a hammer in his butt. Like he was holding a hammer in his butt. <laughs> this is Al Franken? No, this is Sandler. No, too, Sandler. Like, oh, God. And then he, <laughs> and then he just like knocked on the door, opened the door and went like, it's hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did not look amused at all. And then he walked away. Like he was just trying to find a way. But that's just a ballsy, that's very <laughs> that's Sandler. Right? Fucking, who would that? Well, it's who would do that? who's like New York guy and yeah. like upper going to Orso and, and Franken and then a guy walking with a hammer yeah. in his butt. But it but was the time. change, and not the changing of the guard, but it was like a bunch of guys going, can we try all this kind of stuff? That was I was a little different. Adam was different that way. And so it just was a new way, mm -hmm. I don't know, of thinking. But you were right along our line. So 
I get on with Rob, Sandler gets on. Uh, I don't think you knew Farley and Rock back then, but so so then you are very close to the show in that respect, and then you like it too. Uh, do you and you eventually start writing? You write. You have you been brought in as a guest writer? Well, I. I would talk to Adam on the phone all the time. I think in the early years he was talking to Hurley, who wasn't on the on the mm-hmm. show at that point. Yeah, right. And we were all just trying to help load him up. So mm-hmm. yeah. I remember I remember like working on the Denise show sketch. Yeah, that was a big one. With yeah. him. And I remember the other one I kicked around with him was the first uh cheap Halloween costumes, yeah, the that's crazy a great spoonhead one. sketch. An update. On right. oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. This that was fucking. <laughs> that was one of the first times he really went full Adam. Where yeah, that was total connected. Yeah, and and then I, one day I said to Adam, "Can I give you a sketch and just hand it in? Don't touch it. I just want to know if I if I was good enough. Oh, just like to write don't even touch show. it. Just yeah, yeah. Slip through right into the read through file. I don't remember what the sketch was about at all, but it was mm-hmm. a Dennis Quaid sketch, and it was. <laughs> it, it went on really early in the show, and they did. It oh, was wait, like you a, got it, it on. It was like a a dinner table sketch argument of some sort, and it got huh. on like in a key place, and wow. I think did reasonably well. And I thought, okay, I I can do this, but then I never could get the job there. Like I had the packet, and okay. I never so got weird. hired. Did do you ever have a meeting one on one with Lauren? As close as I got was one day Adam called me, and he said. He said, uh, you know oh, what? Boy. I had your packet and Dave, and, and Downey after months was holding mm-hmm. your packet and mm-hmm. talking to me and Schneider. And he was asking about me and I was telling him that he should hire you. And Schneider said, I don't think he's ready. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my so, Seriously? Yeah. He did? Yeah. And so well, I was like, what? <laughs> they shovel writers <laughs> that in there. We've been ready. It's a tryout. But then I was like thinking about it. Come on. And of course at the ready. time it was a, a, very annoying. And then I thought. Later, almost every good thing that's happened in my life is a result of those four words. What? You're, like, not, ready, just, you're not ready? Just not getting in there was why I met Stiller and right, yeah. did the Ben Stiller show. I, I can literally blame everything in my life to Rob Schneider <laughs> saying he's not ready. <laughs> Meeting my wife, my children. Yeah. Like, none of it would exist Interesting. if, Jeez. if like I went Twilight in itself. at that time. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it, price yep. matters. I mean, yep. Yep. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David, and find jewelry at Prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right, and David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman, or <laughs> or, or bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David, they're available twenty four seven by phone or chat to answer technical questions like should I make it a diamond cut or a circle. <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want they can fit in your budget. 
Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's, it's a subjective thing and the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah. We're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hotcakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm -hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm -hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to bluenile.com today that's bluenile.com but later on roseanne hosted and i was writing jokes first so i wrote her monologue and i guess wrote yeah. that week which is mainly the monologue and yeah it's really fun that's always weird because mm -hmm. it's not weird but sometimes they bring guests I think Martin Lawrence was the first one to do it when I was there, and he brought some guys, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay." It's, <laughs> it's it's almost saying you guys are bad, yeah. But it's more just yeah. like a trust issue because now I would love to have someone that wrote well for me around just to yeah. just to be because you're so alone yeah. and to go, "Is this shit any good?" Because you might think it's good, and they go, "Why would you do that?" And I go, "Well, no one's around to ask." It's literally eighty-five people against you. And they're on your team, but you don't know and you're scared and they might be trying to talk you into something. It's hard to go back when, you, when you're when you lucky enough to have hit characters, and, you know, and every time it was like in the 90s when I would guest host, oh, you'll do Bush, you know, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll do Junior and, you know, and then it was like, you'll do Church Lady and it's like 2012. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting close to her age at least. <laughs> All my characters were old. I'm still younger than Church Lady. Newsflash kids. You're aging uh, into hey, it. I, I, hey, Adam Sandler is listening right now. How you doing, buddy? Yes, <laughs> but Sandler didn't, the wall. didn't repeat characters when he hosted, which is pretty. He's, cool. he's, well, I think that is sort of par for the course. Sandler, did Opera Man maybe? What did he do when I'm he sure came back? I think that maybe the did an infomercial too. that crushed. Yeah. He did the Farley song. Which uh, the destroyed. Italian, uh, the the Italian vacation sketch. That, yeah, uh, was maybe the one. Of I the think my daughter loved that one. To me, I, I thought. Well, I so I, I haven't been able to float this theory out, but since we're on Adam Go for ahead. a second. 2019, the year of Sandler. Yeah. I never seen anyone break show business that hard. Because yeah. first of all, his special was kind of supernatural because yeah. my favorite word, because yeah. of shooting so many times and mm -hmm. being so relaxed and yeah. so playful. Then he comes out with um, uncut gems. Was it uncut gems? gems? Yeah, yeah, uncut gems. Then he hosts Saturday Night Live and he destroys. So those three kind of broke show. And business. he won like the Indie Spirit Award. He won a and award. he gave they a speech that if anyone out there wants a Google something that is as funny as anything can be. Adam gave me a speech to all the you know, snobby independent film people. Right, yeah. Where they cheer him like he is their favorite person, has always been, and then he attacks them in the most hysterical <laughs> way. It was a, you know, a perfect speech. It, was it just sort of was full circle, because back in the day, I remember Sandler just casually would say to me, they hate me, Carvey. You know, the critics <laughs> yeah. would, thought he was, yeah. you know, they didn't get him. And now since it's turned, it's kind of interesting to see a arc right, of a career two like questions. that. I have two questions. Back to Judd. Judd is That's a- That's all you get, Adam. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> Judd is a. I, I had actually heard you were, you had offered head writer at one point, but that maybe that's not true. I there was some uh, sniffing around, some grumblings. Yes, maybe it was was it, it too late in the game? You had too much going on. It, it, well, at the time, I was about to make a movie, and 
I felt bad about bailing on the movie. That was one thing. And then I was also probably nervous about what I could accomplish at the show. Yeah. You know, what, you know, what can you really do to the show? Because uh, it's so locked in. It's locked it in, to, in how it's made. And I, w- I wasn't sure I had something that I could bring to it unless I could really change it. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be changed. But yeah. look what's happened since then. Yeah. I mean, it's just gone on and just gotten better and greater. And, and, it, and it did everything it, it should do. And so it just didn't feel like it. It informs right me move. right now just because I was on it and it's still on in this huge franchise. Shows you you know, I get to ride too. that wave. But I, I'm just curious. Did you have wilderness years at all? After mm. Ben Stiller, you have a couple of years where you lost your confidence, mm-hmm. nothing's going on, or was it pretty much, then you got with Shanling yeah. and that whole ride, or was there times, yeah. or we could talk yeah, about your Shanling. Gary Shanling yeah. experience, because I'm really curious yeah. about that and how it informed you as a filmmaker. Well, Pretty I, fancy I, it, question. Yeah. Well, I, I was bouncing back and forth to a lot of projects that weren't necessarily connecting in a mass success way, but right. I like them. Mm-hmm. So I got to make a, a movie with Steve Brill, uh, which Stiller was in Heavyweight. It's a Disney movie. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, it cost 10 million and made 20. So it didn't sink my career. Right. And we loved it, but you wouldn't, it, it wasn't considered successful in any way. Mm-hmm. And it weirdly, now anything. people really like it. Yeah. Um, it's charming. And then the Stiller show, we loved it, but it got canceled. Won the Emmy uh, for Best Show, though. For, yeah, for writing. And so yeah. that was exciting, but depressing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I did Sanders for, a bunch of years and that was for me like oh i need to learn how to do this and if i'm here with gary i'll i'll learn how to write and that and that is i i think what happened it's just watching were you with the show when when i came on because i can't gary asked me to come Mm -hmm. on before it had yeah gotten on television yeah and i was doing the host thing yeah i so remember that moment because you did the Smigel sketch where you did an impression of gary yes and it was hilarious but not necessarily something that Gary would enjoy because there was a lot of <laughs> whining. What it. was the impression? Well, what, what the, it was hard with Gary. And when he asked me to do it, he, I said, you want me to, because he wanted me to come in and do the impression to him. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah I love it. I think it's kind of like, you know, Leno goes like this sometimes, yeah. but almost never talks like that. Yeah. Gary and every comedian has their hook to, to signal the audience mm-hmm. that I'm having a great time and this is yeah. really funny. Yeah. So I noticed that Gary would talk like this, but then when something was really funny, he would go into this pitch and I told my dog that he shouldn't pee on the carpet <laughs> like that. So he wouldn't go to that gear all the time. Yeah. But once in a while, he just go off here and it's like he's having a party in his brain. It was a great move. So I just did that when yeah. I had teeth and it was grotesque. Yeah. You had big hair. I had yeah. big, big, big hair. And, but so anyway. And so Gary, I mean, it was it was really almost the definition of Gary. Wanting so, it to make more fun of him. No, that he's offended on some level by it because it just goes right <laughs> to the heart of maybe yeah. whatever he might think is Oh, the cliche way of of looking at him, or mm-hmm. like he's just too boiled down, right? right? To, to, to just, to well, just a whiny guy. Everybody, yeah. So he's whiny guy or whatever. Right. So I mean, he's not he's not <laughs> mad about it, but he's like not Hurt. loving it. Yeah. And then you call him at some point and say, "Hey, I didn't write that. Smigel wrote it. I hope you don't feel bad." Mm-hmm. And then Gary's response was, "Well, let's just do an episode about it." Mm-hmm. And then he 
had the writers write the episode where you guest mm-hmm. host and yeah. you d- keep doing an impression of him on the show and how annoyed he is at you. And that was like the meta version of Gary. You sure. know, he he has uh, his girlfriend at the time, Linda, yes. do an episode where <laughs> she's in Playboy magazine. Suddenly we're shooting with Hugh Hefner. And then on the set, Hugh Hefner asks Linda to be in Playboy oh. magazine. And now Gary in real life has to deal with the fact that his girlfriend is going to be naked in Playboy magazine. And then the, the next thing you know, we're all at at the Playboy Mansion at a cocktail party <laughs> where they have big pictures genius. of her naked. Right. Oh, to look at. Oh, wow. In, so in the weird. Middle, and Gary's got to be there. Oh, uh, that's an episode too. And suffer through it. And that's what would keep happening with Every person. Do you remember the Hervé Villachez was on that episode? The Deplain, Deplain, you know? And he didn't know <laughs> yeah. it was a fake talk show because yeah. it hadn't aired yet. Yeah. But anyway, Aww. that was funny. The, here's the thing that I find very, very interesting. First time, like I've been really bad in the two movies that I did because um, 125 takes, 300 rehearsals, you know. And it'll come to the way you do films. But Gary, we get on the set. There's It was pre-digital. So there's three guys with 16 million. Millimeter. So yeah. they're covering me, covering Gary, covering the two shot. And Gary's going, I'll say this, you say something like that. Mm-hmm. Never experienced anything like yeah. that. So when I watch it, I go, well, I'm actually, it actually looks like I'm really acting. Yeah. So that was also a genius part. I mean, he yeah. spawned a, a world, an industry. Well, because you, you, know? lo- you have to be loose. Yeah. He liked going deep emotionally. It's a mm-hmm. little bit cringe comedy, which I think people yeah. picked up on. Curb is a, a little bit like Curb, that. Right, yeah. Ricky like, Gervais, uh, you know. And so, after you, that. you know, when you got. What was the first film that you directed? I directed uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Was yeah. the first one. And we would do table reads uh, to try to crack it. And Gary would mm-hmm. always come. He was so nice. And he would he would pitch the fix. So I said to Gary, what do I do about masturbation? Because wouldn't he just <laughs> masturbate all the time? Right. He's a virgin. He's 40. <laughs> and so we're in a room with like Adam McKay and all these great writers and yeah. Seth. And we're trying to go, what would he do? And how mm-hmm. do you not talk about that? And how do you keep it Steve Corelli? So it's exactly. not cringy with him because yeah. of his likability. And yeah. then Gary just goes, maybe we just see his preparations for masturbating. And then Gary pitches out. He puts on his favorite bathrobe. He takes a shower. He puts out his tissues and his creams. And and, and then we put on like Lionel Richie, hello underneath it. Right. And uh, and that was the scene. And, and Gary would do that all the time. He, he, yeah. he would tell you the great joke and the emotion. You know, because he did say to me once, I think the show, I think that that movie is about people who love each other. It's about love and it's about when your friends are just trying to get laid, but you're looking for love. Yeah. yeah. And that was his genius. Yes, I mean, absolutely. To balance pathos and comedy. Yeah. Like other geniuses. Chaplin. If, if you, so uh, when, when uh, you, uh, I, I, uh, I just hear things about the way you direct and I don't know if you did it on that one, but you kind of, you're running a lot because you're on digital. So you're running long, long takes, which you couldn't do with 35 well, Not back months. then. Not back then, but I don't know then. when you started that. And you're kind of like tilting people out of their preconceived choices by mm-hmm. sort of yelling out things. Do yeah. it like this, do it like that. When did that start? Because that seems great for comedians who can improvise. Well, it started with Stiller at the Ben Stiller show. Oh, because, you were doing it then. Yeah, because Ben, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we'd just be shooting a single of Ben doing like a Tony Robbins mm-hmm. impression. Mm-hmm. And we would have a script, but then Ben would just talk for like another 20 minutes off the top of his head. And you just run it on film. And we would just run it on film. And 
And then sometimes Ben would play this agent character and he would be pitching bad career advice to people like mm -hmm. Run DMC or something <laughs> like that. But he would get afraid to say it to their face. So he would do a, a soft version and then he would tell them they were rap for the day mm -hmm. and then he would redo his single with harsher jokes. <laughs> and, okay. and then oh, we would just oh, riff and play oh, what yeah. else yeah, we could yeah. do. And then when we started doing movies, we, we thought, oh, you could do that in a scene, you can do mm -hmm. that in the middle of a scene, even for emotional stuff, right. not just yeah. jokes. And we did that with David on Love, where we yeah. just kept it loose, and it's not always punchline driven. Well, I would say that for anybody, when you're discovering it, like sometimes when you think of a stand-up bit, the best you do it is the first time you do it, yeah. and then you try to get back to that. Exactly. But when you're discovering something, the camera's rolling, and you're doing it for the first time, it just yeah. a lot of times gets a lot of pop. I think that's what Brando was always trying to do, yeah. by hiding notes and oranges yeah. on the ceiling so he just would experience it so anyway, think, that's all i got david <laughs> yeah and i think some of the best <laughs> of philosophy some of the best stuff i've seen just as a viewer on set is like will ferrell uh, on set just doing a run of alternate lines yeah i was going to yeah. ask you that about someone who and probably will ferrell be one of them where you're sort of watching greatness in a sense yeah you know and i i was envious that he would get these long takes to do mm -hmm. to d show that you know yeah. it well, seems the, like so much fun i mean the one i always think about one was milk was a bad choice you know i'm in a glass case of emotion and anchorman that mm -hmm. scene yeah, yeah. is just him and adam for maybe it's just 15 minutes they know they need one line and they're go they get to go 15 minutes to get that one magic moment. Just to going crazy. Adam's yelling out stuff. Will's improvising. Yeah. They've written a bunch of stuff beforehand. There was one where right. I think it was that Rudd punches Will in the face in Anchorman 2. Mm -hmm. And they just wanted <laughs> to get funny reactions from Ron Burgundy getting punched in the face. And Adam yells out, after he hits you, he hit you so hard you speak in foreign language. After he hits uh, yeah. you, yeah. you know, and then it yeah. turned into after he hits you, he hit you so hard, you're now five years old. And Will would just go yeah, on run awesome. after run. Yeah. No wonder that movie pops I so would hard. see that, you know, at the end, as many of those, there's never too many for me. Uh, just to show that. And I always yeah. try to get Adam to do outtakes because, you yeah. know, like on Grown Ups, it's all funny people. And I yeah. go, come on, we're all fucking around the whole time. I'm yes. sure there's something yes. in there funny. There better be. Yes. Just in, in you know, because we do the same thing. It's like, what are we doing this thing? And we would even huddle up in between and takes. And, and, I, and I'm a hoarder. So, like, I actually feel bad if I don't find a way to get those alternate jokes out. Somewhere. Mm -hmm. on the. I mean, it used to be on the Blu-ray and the... We would do, we, yeah. we used to call them lino-ramas and just make five-minute reels of the alternate stuff. Because if I'm, like, I, when I worked with Adam on Funny People, if, if he's riffing, I actually think it's gold. And the fact I they would just it. go in the toilet, I find unbearable. Uh, I agree. We may have lost minutes from our wraparounds, right, Greg? <laughs> Not to compare your yes. feature films. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. 
And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prices could be huge. New players start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code FOTW to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one-time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. This is just a basic question mm-hmm. I'd ask someone to do it. What people... Uh, the film that you were producer directed, you had a vision of it that most realized it. Um, I mean, I, I, mean, I do. Seconds. Yeah, I mean, I do think that. Such a I do think that the King of Staten Island. Uh, I, I mean, there's with a, Pete a, Davidson with Pete. That I, I do think, like, for what what was difficult about it. Yes, you know, can you tell a, a fictional version of his story mm-hmm. and what he's been through? Mm-hmm. And make it funny, but make you really feel it. Uh, like that tone for me, yeah. which maybe is a little more of a Hal Ashby tone, mm-hmm. which I'm always trying to figure out. The fact that that movie works, I'm really proud of because it's it's balancing like grief and pain, but still mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to make people like Pete which and Bill Ash- funny. Which Hal Ashby movie do you reference in your mind? I always think about the last detail. Because in this the, ain't no, no horse's cock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He meant which hell I've seen the movie. I am the goddamn. I am the, we, that, that's a reference with my friends and with yeah. my sons. We are the fucking shore patrol motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Thanks. that energy yeah. where like that's a pretty long shot with no edits. And it just, the whole movie feels so real. It feels oh, yeah. like a documentary. It's and I'm brilliant. always yeah. trying to figure out, can you do that with hard comedy? And have that aliveness. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, good. Coming home. Did he do that too? Or? He did coming home. Coming home is crazy. And amazing stuff in coming home where they're at meetings with veterans talking about their problems. And he did a lot of it with real people and improvised yes. it. And, and it, it's, some of it is remarkable and very moving. So I always think about him. And I think about Paul Reiser in, in Diner because oh, yeah. he made up most of his stuff mm-hmm. and they threw him into it and he created it feels a character. That way. It's yeah. so good when you don't know for sure what you're going to say, or they say, yeah. you know, I get on some of these things, even in sitcoms, they go, uh, uh, all right, let's do another one and just spade this time dealer's choice, whatever you want. Yeah. And then, the, and you have five seconds while they walk back to the camera and say rolling. And then <laughs> yeah. you go, uh, uh, and then you just try something, but it's like a movies too. Just do one. Let's do one for you. Yeah. And then. Sometimes they will keep rolling. Maybe you do that. And sometimes they do them one at a time. 
uh, I don't mind keep rolling. And and sometimes there's a guy there. Like there's some some movies. Usually on Adams we have Swartzen or Steve Corn or someone that sits by yeah. Video Village. It's a tough job. It's grueling. Yeah, to and just to be pitching. Job is to pinch extra and punch jokes. Up. I did that with Paul Appel. On a bunch of mm. movies. I mean, yeah. from Saturday Night Live. She's remarkable at the I, onset. And you get some we winners. We to have her on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. we hear we her name for a sure. lot. Yeah. yeah. She gets, uh, speaking of SNL, I, what would be your dream team? This is a fucking tough question. You know, I, I think, I'd, I'd like to think of the, uh, what might have been team. You know, yeah, like, I like that phrase. You know, like, yeah. like people that didn't get to full fruition mm -hmm. in that space, you know. Okay. The Gilbert Gottfried, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, right. Uh, Robert Downey was almost a blessing in disguise that he left. Same kind of thing with you and Schneider. He was 84 or five. Yeah. It was a one yeah. year. Yeah. One right. year, yeah. Um, you know, who else was really funny? I mean, Terry Sweeney was so funny yeah. on, on the show. Michaela Watkins, you know, people that were mm -hmm. there for a year, like Keckner. Who, oh, you know, and yeah. Jenny Slate, who are, Jeez, who are gotta, so yeah, good. Jenny Slate, yes. And uh, I mean, Stiller was there for like four episodes. Five shows. Bob Odenkirk <laughs> was there for a few seasons, but never David. really could get on as a performer. So no. I, always, I always think about people who are amazing yeah. that you could have put a, together an A-team kick-ass yeah. SNL Conan cast. and Bob were writers with us and um, they were feature players. Yeah. They're writer feature players. And I didn't even know it for probably two years because- yeah. I'm sure I, they did. I was told, <laughs> you know, don't, you know, like Shoemaker or Marcy or someone says, don't write yourself in right away. You know, you're here for a job. And I was like, lucky to be there. But didn't, like you were saying earlier, writing for other people. Not that I didn't want to really. I just don't, didn't know how to. I only yeah. barely knew how to write for my own yeah. persona, whatever that was. And so I'm trying to think for Dana or think for, you know, whoever else. So that was hard. And then you get, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just forgot in the middle. That's all right. That's it's okay. okay. I'll cover for you. So Conan. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm saying. But, it, but Conan, those guys yeah. should have been on. And yeah. they were. And then when I heard their feature play, I go, "You're not on." And they would once in a blue moon write something, and it wouldn't get on. Yeah. Or just give themselves three lines. And I was like, "Wow, this." They're just getting shut out. So, but what do you think the difference was? Because certainly, I, don't know. I know that when you and Rob and Dave, uh, I mean, you and Rob and Sandler uh, got there. You were intent on getting on. It wasn't like, well, maybe I'll be a writer and hopefully I get on. I mean, there was real mm -hmm. energy. Like, oh. I am here to oh, become a star oh, of the yeah. show. Yeah, Adam, for sure. From day, from day one, he had such confidence. I was more embarrassed to do it and they were doing it. Rob was doing it a lot. And I was like, it's all that, is it fair? And then he got copy machine on, which yeah. wasn't even, I was getting them saying, don't do an update piece this week. Oh, you know, you're here to write for people. Put that person as instead of you. And I'm like, all right, I don't want to get fired. And Schneider just had balls. So did Adam. Yeah. They put shit in, put shit in, yeah. and warmed out. Now, I listen, remember going great. to Schneider to Jerry's yeah. Deli after the copy machine oh, really? thing mm. hit. And he was as big a star as there is. I mean, it, it that was just was one of those mean, national catchphrases. It was a moment, and it was hilarious. I mean, I also love the uh, making copies. Uh, you put your you put your weed. Oh, that was a big one too. Put your weed in there. Put your weed in there. And so, like Schneider was the first one who really yeah, broke yeah. on the show. And what was, was a sketch that broke you that where you thought I haven't broken yet? <laughs> um, a little thing I like to call the Hollywood receptionist. Was no, it the I think receptionist? it was either that one or, or uh, bye bye. Oh, bye bye. That's right. Bye was more overnight where yeah. I flew the yeah. next day and I heard it every day for at least 10 years. 
Like yeah. every flight for sure. Every really flight. how funny. Just I like Sandler always heard peanuts. Iraqi Pete. Iraqi Pete was kind of an incredible swing to have that kind of moment that didn't work. It was like during the Gulf War. (laughs) It was just a funny name. I think it was Iraqi Pete. And and, in Adam's defense, I don't think he wrote it. I think it was Frank and going, Iraqi Pete. And and we could have some clown like Sandler come out in a Speedo or something. And, and, you know, it was like, okay. I was one time humiliated because I was not on for probably like 10 shows and then. I just, you know, people in Arizona are like, you're not even on. You're fucking obviously bombing, which is kind of <laughs> true. And I was like, no, but I was. And then uh, one day after I passed out, I was like walking down the hallway <laughs> after my morning pass out. <laughs> and then I should have faked it more during read through just to get Lauren to go, oh, and someone carry him out and give him a sketch. So uh, I go, sketch, what do you need? A sketch. You were, were you? I don't remember you being that precarious. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. But anyway, I'm sort of yeah. repainting. You myself. all toured with me. Sandler toured with me. Oh, yeah, you toured, toured with, with me. Opening um, for Dana. It was fucking yeah, great. John Stewart opened for me. Dave Chappelle. That was a good shows. Uh, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, you could tell right By away. By the way, Dana had no trouble following me. I would go on and I would do pretty well, good. I was going that special in those days. And then he walk out and they go, push me I mean, in the wall. If we're going to be honest, Dana is still way better than all of you by far. <laughs> wow. Like, it's not even a question, right? I wonder, is this going to be recorded? This is I mean, the I've process. watched it all. I mean, you guys all kill it. I've but watched Dana, it all. Dana, <laughs> it's, a, it's, other, it's other level right. stuff. He still the gets- Beatles explaining technology, it doesn't get funnier than that. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, the thing about Judd, you know, he's a filmmaker. He makes a lot of pictures. People go in the cinema, you know, with the popcorn, whatever. They look up, everybody's happy. Laugh, 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 and then a little bit of a tear. They want to see it again a week later. Sorry. I love being a Beatle. Yeah, yeah you can't. Make, I, I would never follow it. That's like if you go, we're going to do this show, and these yeah. people are going on. Go, but that, okay. that was my one move. Once yeah. I so got Dana there close. after failure before yeah. and after, but I have a great blessed yeah. life. When I got there after a little bit of time, I thought, damn, I'm a fish in water now. I'm like, this yeah. this really fits what right. I do. The clubs was even yeah. tough sometimes because I had no jokes. Yeah. I literally had not one punchline. It was all rhythms. Before you got to SNL. SNL. But, but when I got there, oh, they want characters, impressions, and catchphrases. Yeah. I got that. <laughs> when you, I remember seeing you at Igby's before Igby's. you got SNL. Yes. And, uh, and that, that was a great small club that's now a strip club. And I remember seeing George Carlin perform there great I'll, I'll tell you i mean watching you reduce like a person to what the impression was was always amazing like what, what is your take on it but the biden that you do when i saw you do biden on maybe it's on colbert or something mm-hmm. and i thought oh my god dana quietly has a better biden than everybody come on <laughs> here's the deal let's get real and guess what guess what we do this thing as america I'm going to do better. We're going to do better. I like the yelling Biden now. And then the whisper. We know how to reduce the deficits of people. Come on, folks. Number one, what the guy said. Number two, the two part. Number three, you know the drill. What it's about? not rocket science. Come on, we can do better. We'll do it. Come on, What, what about? He's, I'm still learning him. What about when Kamala Harris is in this? I just saw a clip of her and she starts, she always has a nervous laugh. She's yeah. like the Joker. She's like, they're like, they're bombing Ukraine. She's like, <laughs> she's like, you wouldn't get it. Well, that's a <laughs> I just wonder what it'd be like to be married to her because she's she's very attractive yeah. and she's so cheerful. If you mm-hmm. like, hey, Kamala, <laughs> we're gonna have breakfast. 
nervous. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a really nice wife. Nervous laughing is troubling. <laughs> it's <laughs> troubling. It's, 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 it, it is a, a, uh, a deeply troubling thing. Oh, wait. Let me go. To, I'm skim down here. Come on. Shh. Everybody on, shut up. Let's get some oh, questions. This one's funny. 2007 Entertainment Weekly <laughs> did the smartest people in Hollywood. And guess what Judd got? Number one. Yeah. What the fuck? Who was number two? I think I beat Will Smith that year. I'm sure you beat, well, you beat everybody, but you wow. beat everyone in Hollywood. Jeez. This is unbelievable. You're going really deep in research. That, because that's this. the kind of thing that happens and you go, God, I wish people talked about it more. <laughs> like no one talks I, about that in 2007. Well, it seems like you're like Your everywhere. I mean, we had it with Ben Stiller too, where we looked at his IMB and it's like, yeah. Ben, you're kind of like, whoa. And you have kind yeah. of the same thing. Like, oh, he's there. He's producing, he's directing. It's like the resume is so big. I had to take a nap after I yeah. read it. I have Here, a question. Just point it. No, oh, I have well. a question not about yeah. Judd. This will yeah. be great. Okay. Judd, your daughter, Maude, who you yes. might not know this, she's on a show called Euphoria. Yes. And yes. I've seen, I've seen a few of them. Euphoria is a, uh, it's a, it's Where, a show. It's Showtime or? Uh, HBO. Every time HBO. I watch it, I think I know Spade's watching it right I now. Am, I watched one <laughs> and I was horrified, Judd. Yeah. Well, I yeah. haven't seen that many naked wieners since my fraternity hazing. <laughs> I you was know, watching it, and I was like, "What? This is what they're watching? What happened to Laverne and Shirley? Yeah, I and mean, where is the simpler it's time? It's all gone. I think it's all Silver changed. Spoons. But first of all, huge yeah. deal that Maude's on there. Geeks. I saw geeks her on that, and, and I saw um, Iris was in the bubble. And Iris was in the bubble. The yeah, bubble, which comes out April first on Let's Netflix. Let's talk about the Netflix. bubble. Yeah. yeah, the bubble is uh, my it's attempt new movie. to do something during. The pandemic. So, what point of the pandemic did it hit you? When did you start shooting it? Because the pandemic, you would like, even be allowed to shoot it. Well, now I look back and I think it, it's almost like uh, a nervous breakdown to <laughs> want to make something during it. Because yeah, the, the pandemic started in March. Yeah, and by a year from there, I was almost done filming the movie. And so you, you had, got it you, going that fast. Yeah, it was a very. I think maybe I had a manic episode. Were you leading with the protocols then? <laughs> you had for, green for, light for, for film yeah. sets and, and actual bubbles. Yeah, we, I mean, were, you we were, were. You were inventing it as you went along in a way. Right? We were making a, a movie about making a movie yeah. in the bubble while oh, making, making fun movie. of the protocols, but also doing the protocols. Yeah. And making fun of the need to make a movie <laughs> due to your ego or your madness like that no one needs a movie there's something more important happening and yeah. we're mocking people who feel it's necessary while actually doing it the whole thing is very hypocritical can we make sure we edit that out and put it on instagram because <laughs> that's the most meta that's like hyper meta like we have a fake uh covid supervisor yeah, in right, the movie sure. who gives terrible advice. And then does, he's a real COVID advisor. I mean, the real COVID advisor is giving oh. the same speech five minutes before, before the, the fake one before the, is shot for the and movie. And you say, look at this clown that we're making fun of. And then you go, well, let's bring out the real guy who's <laughs> exactly. exactly the same. And we're all wearing masks. And then the actors are like chewing their masks in the scene and not wearing them on their ears. And we're making fun of how no one's wearing the mask. Yeah. <laughs> and so the it. whole experience was strange that way. But it started because... I was really getting stir crazy, and I was walking on the beach lot with my friend uh, Brent Forrester, who wrote for The Simpsons in the mm -hmm. office. And one day we were like, we should just think of stuff. Like we're walking for hours mm -hmm. every day. To, Wasted to, thinking and walking. Yeah, so we started talking about the NBA bubble, and that started making us laugh. Like, oh, those guys are stuck in that hotel. What is that like in that hotel? And then, mm -hmm. then I thought, well, oh, this is almost like a Christopher Guest <laughs> movie. 
Yes. You know, where all the actors are stuck in a hotel Mm -hmm. trying to make a movie and having a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. And then they're making a flying dinosaur action movie and they think it's important they're not tuned into what's happening and they're having nervous breakdowns and having sex with each other and doing drugs. And, and How was it received sequel. when you, who'd you pitch it to and how did they receive it? Especially all the CGI and all, all the big stuff and I mean, I told Netflix and- Ted Sarandos, I, our best friend. I, I, told, uh, well, I told Scott Stuber. Stuber. Uh, and he certainly got the joke and said, mm-hmm. let's go do it. And I said, I'll, I'll write a script, but I'll, I'll need to be rewriting all through it because it happened very fast. And I hired people that I thought could oh, change you, it on their you feet. you had, uh, hmm. who's the young lady that was in uh, Sasha's last movie? Uh, uh, Maria Bakalova yeah, is in it, and Karen Gillan and Keegan-Michael Key and Leslie and yeah, Iris. And uh, Armisen Ma- is in it, and Kate yeah, yeah. And She's and good. She's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was funny. She's really yeah, good. She's great. Yeah. yeah, she plays the head of the studio. So every sure. time she checks in to see how it's going, she's on safari or she's yeah. skiing and she's just around the world. She's one of the rich people that like sort of is skipping yeah. the whole quarantine. Exactly. And yeah. so, um, but we didn't have any cases the entire shoot. Interesting. We, you you know, didn't? So we just, you know, because it was only two sets, it was a green screen soundstage and the hotel. When did the vax come in, by the way? Um, when During the filming or when did the vaccine emerge? Were you already filming or did you, did you have two shots and a booster? I never got vaxxed because I was in England and I couldn't get it in England. Okay. But around February, in the middle of the shoot, you know, people would walk up to you and say, I got a call that I can get a vaccination at 10 tomorrow, so I'm not coming in. Oh, yeah. And that's how it works in England. You have an appointment and you just go. It could be like the, you know, the cinematographer yeah. is like, yeah, I'm not here tomorrow. And then slowly the crew. And then I'm going to feel like shit for a while. Brits are like that. I'm not going to get the. I'll get the jabber tomorrow, so we'll be for the best one. I'll just do it as long as you guys smile every time. McCartney. As long as he smiles, look, he's giving us so much joy. Is Lennon different than Paul? Lennon is very, very cryptic (laughs) down here. How is it, Paul? (laughs) It's great. You know, we're having a good time down here. How are you? I don't know. You know, just looking around. Whatever. I don't want to do anymore. I like it. You don't mind one where he talks to Paul. How would Paul explain uh, TikTok to John? It's very short little clippy things, you know, where people put something on funny and they dance around. It takes about 10 seconds. And if you do it, you're a star all over the world. We did Abbey Road. We did the White Oak. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, but, you know, it's like Kanye West. Who's that? He's sort of a talky singer. He's a bit maybe crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Who was that? Who was he? Did he have a woman? He had a woman named Kim Kardashian for a while. What did she do? Oh, uh, you know, she take pictures of the bottom. You know, <laughs> how did she take pictures of the bottom? Well, with a little, a little, uh, you know, we have a little ca- a television camera in your pocket called an iPhone. When she happened to go working, she stick her bottom out and she take a picture of it, <laughs> doing the whole bit. <laughs> What's so special about her bottom? It's 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 not a normal bottom. It's a bottom two point It's like God made a fanny and attached a person as an afterthought. The whole family's doing. They're all showing the bottoms, taking pictures. One man got so frustrated he became. I'm a woman. <laughs> That's all I got. That's the cl- we don't have to keep it in here, but I like to entertain the entertainer. I'm here just Fuck, for Where that. else would it I'm go? Here. That this makes is the so place. One of the great things I watched in the last few years pre-pandemic was you uh, and Bill Hader and Mulaney at Largo doing an unproduced sketch. All right. Yes. Which was uh, Casey Kasem and his son, son. who don't yes. get along. What was the premise of it? Yeah, they don't get along as the narrative. I was there, right? And we all did her first. Yeah. 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 Yes, and it Quite. completely bombed on Saturday Night Live, like dead silence. Yeah. 
And then we just got revenge at Largo by yeah. doing the exact same. Son, you're a waste of space. You don't really do much with your life at all, do you? Dad, I know you're right about that. You know, it's that kind of thing, back and forth. But For 10 minutes. Laid there at SNL, killed in front of 300 yeah. people. But I remember that dinner, and I remember that we were, the check came, yeah. and we were looking around. Who took it? We checked Celebrity Net Worth. and Did you? Did I pay? Or did you pay? You paid. But I almost always he did? paid, I can't so I, I was I was kind of. Sheep. I have a picture of us from that night. Let's look yeah. at the clip. Yeah, let's put that Let, on let's Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> some people. I, I Maybe it was. It should have been. It was a pretty solid uh, Thursday. This might be kind of awkward, but I'd like to do another long McCartney. Yeah, bit. yeah go ahead. No, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do the last 15 minutes of my special. <laughs> the uh, the other thing I did want to mention because. Uh, I do have to I'll take promote notes. something. Is I, I put the out book. this book for yes. charity. I had a, the first book, Sick Boo. in the Head, and the money goes to A26, which is a, a charity that gives free tutoring to kids. Like kids could just walk in this place and they get free tutors. Oh, we my wife so comedy books to kids. We my pay a lot of money for that tutor. tutor. Is a tutor. Yeah. And when we, when I was doing SNL, she would tutor kids downtown. And this underprivileged is, kids. My wife Paula. Yeah, and that's and what I said. How is. in the hell do you know how to teach someone English? Because she yeah. went to a good Catholic school. I mean, could yeah. you teach English to a kid, a five-year-old, a three-year-old? I mean, like I, I build I, the grammar and know what a dangling no, participle is. No. I barely got my kids through through anything school-wise, uh, and there were many many tutors involved. So yeah. this book pays Sicker? for these centers. We mm -hmm. give all the money away, and so the new book, Sicker in the Head, yes, has like uh, you know Sasha Baron Cohen and Nathan Fielder and. Whoopi Goldberg and Letterman. So and, what's the and, general narrative of it? Yeah, the narrative it? of it is that during the pandemic, I realized that everyone was home and available to do this. Yeah. So all these people that I thought wouldn't normally do an interview with me had no excuse to say no because I knew they were home. See, that's the thinking. And, yeah, and so I called you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Letterman and people like that that might normally be too busy. And, and they have no excuse. Yeah, and also it's kind of a, an emotional interview because everyone was really thinking about their lives at the time. So the book and be is more little, vulnerable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Could I make an observation? Yeah, please. During the pandemic, uh, I did the sourdough, I did the puzzles, I did mm -hmm. Scrabble, watched mm -hmm. a lot of movies. Yeah. You made a movie and wrote a book. Yes. Should I, played, I see, should I talk to a therapist? I mean, what, what I the did fuck a was I thinking? I had two years to do something. Yeah. I, I realized just, that at least because I'm promoting the book, the movie, and then in May, me and my friend Michael Von Figlio made a two-part George Carlin documentary. Of course for you did. So I thought <laughs> maybe I had a nervous breakdown for two straight years. And, want, and work was the way to deal with it. I guess, because at the time, it didn't feel like I was working that much, but probably But you were busy. You seemed You're to be just always a shooting. Yeah, you, and, and to stop <laughs> in your tracks on a dime, like one day we were working that show Lights Out, and they go, just going for the weekend, and uh, we're going to have a no audience on Monday, which we mm -hmm. thought was weird. And then it even that fast, by Monday. Yeah. Don't come back in. 
you know, we have a two-week lockdown and we're in the third year of our two-week lockdown. So and we, I used to listen to all of your interviews with the cast of Tiger King. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you, you got yeah. everybody. I know, it's so weird. It, and you that's got that right. reporter who had all his tapes burned. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was an incredible interview with that guy. He he was like, this stuff actually isn't funny. They're really just yeah, torturing yeah, yeah. and that's killing all these animals. And he, he he was the only one who really told the truth. Dana, you don't it. even know. I did a deep dive. I was the wolf blitzer well, I remember the, the Tiger pandemic. King interviews. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like sort of... On papers. I just hit them up on Instagram. Some of these people, we just found them and said, do you want to do it? And they go, it was mostly because of Joe Dirt. Yeah. Oh, oh, because you- They all you, like Joe Dirt. Yeah. So they go, so oh, they feel like you funny. look like I'm, him. One of, I'm one of them and I'm not going to go after him. And I didn't really. Yeah. I let them tell their story Joe their Dirt journey. is huge in sort of the, whatever you call that part of the country. The world. Rednecks. <laughs> The world, yeah, well, the I'm world, in your house, something world. paid off. Well, you know, because yeah. I have seven Joe Dirt posters on the way to the <laughs> podcast So room. the Tiger King himself <laughs> loves Joe Dirt. I, that's what I've heard, yeah. yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I never really chased after trying to play him because it was kind of like Joe Dirt and it didn't seem that fun or appealing, but it was so fun to watch it during then and yeah. be a part of it all. And it was such a, it was like the first big thing during the- uh, the break. Have you seen the new one? I mean, one just came out with Kate McGinnon and, and uh, John Cameron yeah. Mitchell. Have you? I haven't seen there? it. I don't mm -hmm. know. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. I, I yeah, it's it, that's fascinating. But I actually really enjoyed those interviews because you went deep with everyone. So we watched this thing, which always felt watered down. Uh, when I watched it, I always thought this is so much worse <laughs> than this. <laughs> yeah, and then the you real would, one, yeah. you would get real conversations with people where they laid it out. So I, I implore everyone to go down that. That's a good YouTube well mm -hmm. to watch. Yeah, they were nice. I'm like, when that tiger chewed off your arm, did you feel that? <laughs> were you allowed to take a lunch break after? She went back to work yeah, after that. Yeah, she did. She went back. That was interesting. I was like, you sh yeah. It's interesting how things become such cultural phenomenon, so, like a wildfire, like Squid Game after that. Yeah. I'm talking about Netflix now. Yeah. Just like, boom, everyone yeah. has to see it. Everyone talks about it. A fury frenzy. In the yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yes. Because I'm, I'm oh, such yeah. a fascinated by George Carlin. What mm -hmm. did you do in the documentary? Okay, yeah. Bubble. So mm -hmm. when, when's uh, Bubble come out? The Bubble? April 1st. April, April 1st. 1st. The book is out now. The, the book you can okay. pre-buy now. And yeah. then the documentary which, it, about it, George Carlin. May like 20. What did you take Weird away from that? Stuff. What did you discover about George Carlin that you might not have known? What was your sense after doing a deep dive on him? I didn't, really, I didn't really know that much about him because he never mentioned his family in his act. He had no jokes mm -hmm. about his wife or his daughter. Yeah. And so I thought, well, how, I don't know him. Sure. How could I even was yeah. he a tell the story? Or was he pretty normal? Well, he was a guy that grew up in New York. He, he, his dad used to, you know, beat up his older brother and, okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of alcoholism and the mom ran away with the kids and so moved to upstate, upstate New York in the fifties. Mm. Uh, and, maybe even the late forties. And mm. then she had to raise him alone. And then he loved like radio and Danny Kay mm -hmm. and got into everything through that. But the yeah. fascinating part is, you know, he had a very corny career in the beginning, very the hippie dippy weather, man, very variety huge. show for a while. Yeah. And then at some point, like Richard Pryor, he just became himself and grew mm -hmm. a, a beard and long hair and got, got very edgy. Then he kind of ran out of gas and got soft again, had a heart attack yeah. and, and, and uh, talked about his stuff. And that those bits were great, but also very soft. And then he saw Kinnison. And this is the thing we learned. Oh, he, was Kinnison the hook? That he saw Kinnison oh, okay. and he said, I'm not going to be soft compared to him. And then he went 
for the rest of his life, he just really out Kinnison. You Kinnison. were all diseased, is it? Yeah. Are you Seminal talking about album. post yeah. like uh, the seven words? That was, oh, yeah. yeah. That was that, pretty like heyday, late right? Late 90s, he, he went really I angry, didn't even know that. still funny. At least it, you were all diseased is really funny. Like really dark. But also really dark. the reason why we made it was because if you go online, whenever anything happens in the news, George Carlin trends and it's, people are putting up clips of his bits about America or about big farmer, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, abortion or corporate America yeah. controlling politics. And you realize, unlike most people whose acts age out and they they don't yeah. really work anymore, no one listens to Lenny yeah. Bruce anymore, mm -hmm. his stuff gets better. And he kind of predicted everything He's smart. that's happening. Yeah. I saw him at 14. You know, he used to listen to albums, Steve Martin and everyone. Yeah. And then- George Collin was in the mix, and I was yeah. like, "This guy's fucking funny." Never, no, no mm -hmm. aspiration to be a comedian. Yeah, it was too high up, too good. It was just more I like saw him at kids like comedy. Times. You know, here's an example of a line, or just hitting it like, "Everyone's into the children. We got to save the children. <laughs> we love the children." You know what I say? Fuck the children. <laughs> Fuck the children. You go in the classroom. There's one winner and a whole lot of losers. Yeah. I mean, it was just so politically incorrect. Yeah. Check it out. You're all diseased. Yeah. Available on RCA I Records. I think another line of that is like, uh, have you ever noticed that everyone who's against abortion is someone you wouldn't want to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, these motherfuckers, these stinky motherfuckers in their fucking tank tops. Let's get them in a, get them in a field, put them on a pedestal and shoot them in the fucking head. <laughs> you would say that? Stuff like that. I'm, I'm yeah. loosely paraphrasing. Yeah. He, he went hard. And in That's the documentary, everyone debates, did he go too dark? And oh, was, it, did, it, did it get to like just an angry guy as opposed mm -hmm. to an angry guy being yeah. funny? I mean, and yeah. some people love it. And, and there are people in the documentary, comedians, some who say they like it. And some people say, I think, I think he, he lost it for How a little while. How did he pass away? He, yeah. I, I mean, he- He'd had heart attacks. He had a, high, and he had a lot of heart problems. Yeah. And I think he did a lot of cocaine for a long time. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like maybe he had some sort of uh, OCD or, or attention issues that- led to the fact that he would do a lot of cocaine and not hang out with people. He would just write. Mm. He loved to write. He loved words and he would listen to music. But there were a lot of years where he was doing that. I mean, we have audio of him talking into tape recorders in the middle of three-day binges by himself. That's uh, wow. Th that's pretty scary. And people would sometimes uh, go up to him and go, any advice? And he would just say, write everything down. That was, that was it. Yeah. Because he was a master of word for word. Yeah. He didn't like riff on stage. He didn't play on stage. That he was, was poetry. It, it was like, yeah. yeah, like he wrote like a show and had to Performed memorize it. it. Yeah. When I saw him, he would just sit before the show, just trying to memorize it and yeah. do it perfectly. And if someone yelled something out, he was not cool with just, it. He, he wanted to, no. just keep going. to run his, it. His lists, his yeah. hooks, big shoes, little shoes, brown <laughs> shoes, black shoes, boy <laughs> shoes, girl shoes, yeah. shoes. Everyone yeah. needs shoes, tall shoes, yeah. boots, shoes. You know, and he, yeah, he would shrimp. make these crazy lists and he's in his 70s, had a couple strokes and he's just like so articulate. Yeah. And it's a hernia brilliant, you know? and a, what is yeah. it? A <laughs> hernia and a she... Oh, I know, I know the bit that yeah. you're, you're talking yeah, it's like, about. It should be called a hymnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we saw was that there was a period where people got bored of him for a little while. Aww. And so on Second City TV, Rick Moranis would do this brutally mean <laughs> impression where he would say things like that and do like, you know, George Carlin starring in Death of a Salesman. And they make would just, they, they would make yeah. fun of him. And there was a moment where Cheech from Cheech and Chong said, uh, George Carlin's over. All he talks about oh. is things like peas. 
well, you know, eating your peas. <laughs> yeah. And then that really bothered him and it made him redouble his efforts. Oh, so where most horrible. people might like, cave in, you. Oh, he just, he went, just went hard and said, okay, now I got to show you all. I waited I on him at the Circle Star or at the Holiday Inn near the Circle Star Theater. Wow. Brought him a bowl of oatmeal, put it in front mm-hmm. of me and he goes, oatmeal. Drop the O and you have at meal. I said, give it a rest, George. No, but, but he did. <laughs> There's uh, no blue I did bring him oatmeal. There's blueberries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Blueberries, strawberries, raspberries. There's no blue food. There's blueberries. Bananas. No. <laughs> All right, scratch that one. <laughs> you know, I, I just have that theory that eventually almost everyone becomes a caricature of themselves yeah. in, in sure. the arts. You know, like Johnny Carson had kind of... Or you'd watch someone and go, is that a, an impersonator or the person? Because mm-hmm. you have your hooks and you have yeah. your things, and then eventually you're- and you get you know, exposed. And that's yeah. when I pounce later on when they're yeah, sad they're and rude. used up. <laughs> then I rub it in their face. But at least I'm honest. <laughs> Anything <laughs> left for Apatow? I have one, la- no. yeah. well, we one last question. Out. How do you spell Apatow? Because I work for the Just IRS. One P. One P. One P. And your mom drove a red Did they Corvette. tease you as a kid with Apatow? <laughs> hey, it's John Appetizer. Did you get any of that? Or? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had Dana no, Carkey's. Dana Carkey's? Dana Carkey's fucked with me. Why did I think but of Judd, that? Judd yeah. Appetizer, that's what I would have said. No, the, I remember they used to call me the nose. Oh, they would think oh like good that. job. The nose. Dana. It's always weird when people are anti-Semitic when every single kid in your high school is Jewish, but they're still anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the they worst. Just take you to go I'm out. a self-hating white person. Yeah, I'm everyone can't help bullying. It's so funny about bullying is, uh, the bullying is worse than it's ever been, and all the data is in. It's bad. You know, yeah. like we think. I guess we fixed that it. Makes we, you oh, stronger. That's good yeah. for you, kid. It's unreal. No, it crushes that it's, your soul. It's so I just wonder if I bad. was a kid. I was like 10, 11 years old, and. Like Twitter existed. I Would I be one of those asshole kids just trying to give everyone shit? Because if if I go on it, there's always like people who are trying to find trying my to, wound. Yeah, and and to get your response. Yes, and it, if you do respond, they're always like, "Oh my god, I'm your biggest fan." No matter how and then cruel they start crying yeah. if you respond. Yeah, and but I, would I have been one of those kids? Because I think I would have found it funny potentially to just mm. give people shit. I think you might have been until you thought it tipped a kid over into self harm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you. Seem like too nice. No, I mean, mean attacking like a like a someone in the public sphere. Oh, oh I see. You know, oh, I have, people say uh, mean things, and if I block them, someone will say, "Hey, don't block my friend. He loves you." And you go, yeah. "It was the meanest." Fu-. And they go, "He's being funny," but you can't even tell when people are funny that your friends are texting you. You can't tell the tone sometimes, yeah. so you don't know what's going on. And then when someone you don't know is like, "Hey, fuck you." <laughs> yeah. You suck, and then you go. Oh, okay. Well, I don't need that guy. What's goes, the general, I was being funny. Yeah. What's the general meanest thing they say? You know, if anyone can find tape yeah. of Dana Carvey being funny, I'd like to see yeah, it. Yeah, or what, yeah. You know, there's certain generic tape put downs for comedians. Yeah. No, but there's this podcast. Yeah. And you've got a partner. All right. Let's like if I check. promote something, they'll just say, uh, "I'll watch it if you'll cut an hour out of it." So that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is forty How minutes too long. How long is the bubble? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is out when solid two hours. Okay, solid two hours. You know, two hours and out. Some people want ninety minutes, but the other thirty is the same price. I did Master of Disguise, and then we had to cut it down to fifty-eight minutes. Wait, it, was, it didn't even <laughs> make sense. It, was, it wasn't even a language because because <laughs> you you bailed out. You were going to do a Sandler film called. Mr. Pete or Sneaky Pete or something? Oh, Puka Pete. Puka Pete. And then you got mm-hmm. mad. And so, no, you or Fred Wolf had a falling out. So then I was in in line. So I did a read through and they go, Carvey, you got to go in a week. But anyway, I go, it, <laughs> oh, it's not Puka even Pete. a movie. Oh, it doesn't even, it's Pete, just yeah. words on a piece of paper. But <laughs> we have the crew. We have the crew. It was cut to 58 we'd... minutes and then it has 12 minutes of 
fake out, well outtake, so it made the it had to be a, a certain length. Anyway, that's my experience with film. But the bubble comes. I like to promote May April first. April first. Uh, April Fool's on, Day. On the, the bubble on Netflix. Yep. Love it. Sicker in the head. Lot of laughs. Out now. Judd I saw it, uh, two nights ago. I you saw it. No, I got fucked. I didn't want to tell Bum. I yeah. really sat down to watch it last yeah. night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had it on the Netflix. Yeah. Went code. for the pin number yeah. and couldn't find an email. Talked That's to these guys. That's what happens at 90% of the people we send it to. But you were able I to watch it. it. You yeah. got in. And what did you- Listen, did, I'm a did guy you enjoy did, it? I did a Wordle in under two hours it? yesterday. Did you get through it? I got through it. No, did you get through it, David? Yeah, what, I gave me anything. Do you have any notes? I, I can yeah, what about the things. ending? What did you think of that trick ending? Yeah. Oh, where, where everyone was at? <laughs> where, where, where everybody wrapped ending? it up? Come on. No. So you got to see the first part of oh, the second I can't part, say the ending. I just started to say no. the word helicopter. I said a couple things. No, but they. Uh, I like Keenan. I thought Keenan Mike he was funny. I yeah. thought uh, uh, your daughter did a great job. My daughter good. played your daughter in love. That's yeah, the yeah. Thing. She was great. She was very fun yep. on the set and very non-bratty. And uh, she plays, she looks totally different. She's very actressy, different hair, different haircut, yep. plays a TikToker. And as millions of followers, they're all stuck in the bubble. That looks like a castle. Is that a hotel? I mean, where, were, where did you do that? It's called like Cliveden. I guess there's a famous scandal there where like someone in the government had an affair there. There's like a U Grant movie Haunted about it. House. The Beatles shot help there. Really? Yeah. It, it, you did over there? Full circle. Yeah. Oh, who was the uh, first AD that looks like James Bond a little bit? Daniel Craig. The first AD that looks like- No, he's a studio guy. Who's the guy that comes in? He's always standing in every scene. Peter Serafinowitz. Okay. Oh, he's hysterical. He played the tick mm. in that TV show. That was the answer to my- uh, Wordle question is another jaw impression. So anyway, we'll close it with this. Uh, Judd Apatow's here. You know, uh, does uh, does a lot of great movies. Um, well, Greg's, Bruce's, right? I would have a, read all your movies, but everyone knows them. They're all fucking monsters. Books. Uh, if there's a pandemic or an earthquake, he just goes right into work mode. I don't know what it is. He calls Scott Suber after the big one. We should do an earthquake movie. He's like, well, nothing works right now, Judd. Uh, Judd, it's been right, a Judd, pleasure. Thank you for coming. Thanks thank for you. coming and being in house. Yeah, we're in the house. This. We're in Spade's house. You know why I came? Last thing, because I don't like hearing this Zoom sound. Let's get people on a real microphone. Yeah, so we've had two years to figure this out. That's a that's a director that does I movies. I totally all about agree. Sound. It's a little bit like comedy waterboarding when you do it on Zoom. Right. You're not can't. Hear you guys, yourself. I want to show you one no, of my five one more pantries. Thing to say, David. Right. <laughs> that's it. Let's go. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? We want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. Hey, Dana. Hey, David Spade. The question is, this is from uh, Uvaldo Garcia. Uvaldo Garcia. My question is, is there a common denominator to which SNL alum go on to be mega stars in which don't? Or is it as simple as having great characters that capture America's attention? Or is it something deeper? This is a 12-parter. Well, first of all, if we knew how to become <laughs> mega stars, we would be mega stars. Yeah. You um, think we're holding back on that one? <laughs> yeah. We went to the mega star uh, you know, symposium with Tony Robbins was teaching it. You gotta get it. His hands were as big as my whole body. I accidentally went to the mega store, Costco. And um, yeah, I would just say that there's an intersection between talent and the marketplace, and it's uh, you when you're when you're young and naive, you go, well, the best band will be the biggest band yeah. that only happened once, and that was the Beatles. Beatles yeah. And the best, the funniest guy will also make the most money. So get rid of all that. It's I just can how go to the intersect. comedy store and see three people funnier than me. It's just, and they're not doing as well as me as showbiz wise, but it just 
it, it's a it's a combination of a million things. So if you're doing well, it's it's a lot of it's luck. But you, I think you have to bring it over and over and over because everything's a fucking audition. People can lose faith in you somewhere along the way and go, you don't got it. Oh anymore. yeah, now people go on live streaming movies and no one knows if it bombed or whatever. But back in the day, a movie star, if if that person had two bombs in a row, you kind of had to go back in line mm -hmm. and then wait a lot of years. But but again, all you can go back to is trying to do a good job at whatever you're doing. Yeah. But a mega star. Um, has a mega mansion. There's not that many left. It's me, Dana, and then I can't even think of anyone. Megastars have, they don't talk about the security, cybersecurity, physical security. Uh, everyone treats them weird. I don't know about the goal of Megastar as opposed to like just being funny yeah. and employed. I don't know. Did Brad, you ever dream about being Brad a megastar? Pitt, I feel like has a tough life and he would never say it himself, but I feel like just everywhere you go, if you connect eyes with someone, they go, that's fucking Brad Pitt. And they don't know how to act and they get weird. And even when he meets other celebrities, they freak out. So that's yeah. being a mega when you're in a room with other that's, it's, celeb it's, types. It's too much energy in the room. And, and I get starstruck by fame. I mean, with Brad Pitt, you know, um, if I met him, he'd go, we're going to go over here and get, a, get some pizza. I go, it's a good plan. I like what you're doing. I like being on your podcast, David, because you got good witticisms. I'm Brad Pitt. I'm chiseled. I'm tan. <laughs> no, but being a sex, being a sex symbol, and I'll let David speak to this. Being a sex symbol yes, has a different energy. There's a megastar, just goofy comedian, yeah. but then there's a megastar who's who's a sexual star. Then you get guys or weirdos in your bushes hiding out. It, it's yeah. it's a for women especially. I'm so glad that I never reached megastar status. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I hate that I reached it I so I go early. to the grocery store and no one cares. I take the mask off, the hat off, and I go, hey, everybody. I went and the sexual, I get escorted sexual out of the star route, which was stupid You're, early on. He was a porn star and for then, a wee bit of time. And then I went back to, I just want to see what, I don't remember what my old life was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be a bus boy again. No, I don't know. That's a stupid answer, but thank you for asking a question and uh yeah. we've been Dana and David and we've been dumb. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. Production and engineering led by Greg Holtzman, Richard Cook, Serena Regan, and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. <laughs>